Welcome to the Chartered Trading Standards Institute EU Exit Podcast. I'm Paul Evans. In this podcast, updated in January 2021 following the agreement of a deal between the UK and the EU, we'll be taking a look at how food standards regulations will be affected by the UK's exit from the European Union. The new deal agreed with the EU is probably best summarised as a Canada-type deal, with no new tariffs but border checks taking place. Tariffs could still be applied, however, should the agreement be breached. Northern Ireland remains effectively subject to EU rules, and as such, border issues will arise. The position with regard to many of the practical implications of the Northern Ireland Protocol are still unclear, and the potential impact on Northern Irish businesses remains confused. The government has stated its position with regard to any future trade deals is that food standards will not be compromised. It has, however, resisted making this a legislative provision. We speak with CTSI Lead Officer for Food Standards, David Pickering, whose expertise should help trading standards professionals navigate some of the still choppy waters ahead. David started things off by giving us an overview of the Lead Officer role. Throughout the process since 2016, I guess since the vote, we've been involved in various uh, meetings and talking to central government bodies such as the FSA, DEFRA and Department of Health and Social Care about the impact that leaving the EU will have on the work that we do around the different sets of legislation relating to food standards and nutrition that those three central government departments uh, deal with. So we've also been involved in some of the border aspects of the EU exit because you know, there will be controls exercised there as well. And, you know, food is potentially quite an easy thing to see, especially food standards. So if the label's wrong, that's something that's fairly easy for customs officials to pick up on. So uh, we have been involved in meetings around those issues as well. One of the issues that is kind of really, I think, exercising businesses at the moment who market their products in the EU is the, the name and address, because the EU legislation says that the food business has to have a name and address within the EU. Also for importers of EU food into the UK, effectively what they'll need to do is they'll need to have a UK address uh, on the food stuff. So at the moment, I think I know that there are certain food businesses who are setting up offices in the EU so that they continue or can continue to use an address in the EU. Obviously in the UK, it will involve changing labels and DEFRA have been kind of liaising with us about, I guess, asking officers to take a pragmatic view of it. You know, in terms of, of changing labels, the, the kind of cost of changing labels is quite significant. So if you think that there are a number of labeling changes potentially that could be coming through in the next few years, food businesses are really kind of asking for, you know, if there are going to be changes, could they be implemented at the same time, really? But certainly the, the UK address and the EU address is, is a big problem at the minute. And, you know, I guess it's not a huge cost, potentially, but, you know, in terms of cost, it means that businesses have got to set up addresses and offices in the EU, whereas previously they didn't. Apart from that, you know, the legislation has been transposed into UK law. So there aren't any kind of big changes that, that will need to happen yet. I guess it's just as 
maybe if and when UK law starts to diverge from EU law, then changes in information and labelling will be needed. The UK government are setting up a, a system of kind of market uniformity. Food standards is a devolved remit for the different countries. And what the English government are doing is trying to set up a a kind of system where if, say, for instance, Scotland turned around and said, well, actually, that part of food labelling, we don't really like that, so we're going to change it. Um, There is a mechanism whereby that decision can be challenged and potentially not allowed. It's interesting because I'm not quite sure what impact that has on devolution because, you know, in terms of, say, the Scottish government, if they're saying, well, food standards is a devolved remit, but we've now had put in place a system whereby effectively our devolved decision can be challenged by, say, a food business in England. You know, what does that mean about what power the Scottish Parliament have got? So it's quite an interesting, more of a kind of constitutional question, to be honest, but I think it could have practical implications because, um, say, for instance, in Scotland, when they introduced the unit pricing on alcohol, I know it's not directly food labelling, but in Scotland, they introduced that legislation. Now, I think potentially with this new system, food businesses in whichever evolved country could challenge the introduction of a piece of law that the devolved administration wants to introduce. So whilst on the one hand, you kind of think actually it's a really good idea from a uniformity of marketplace point of view and from businesses point of view, you know, behind it sit quite interesting questions about what impact that will have. And it's not just food standards, it's kind of all legislation that potentially could be affected by this, this mechanism. I think potentially losing access to any pieces of information or intelligence or data make things more difficult. And again, this is something that, you know, this is why I guess, you know, DEFRA are talking about setting up a separate kind of import control system around products of animal origin. But the the information and intelligence one is slightly more concerning because if we can't access what is being held within the EU, it, it does make it difficult to have that more holistic view of what's happening. Okay, you can get the information and you know, intelligence through other sources potentially, but it just makes it more difficult. The government seems to be kind of saying that, you know, there will be border checks, but in terms of trying to keep trade flowing, they won't be particularly onerous. You know, you do kind of think, well, actually, given that we're not potentially going to have access to data and information, border checks possibly aren't going to be as rigorous as they they might be. Does that open opportunities for people who want to put food onto the market that isn't, um, to use the FSA, Food Standards Agency terminology, you know, it's not food that is what it says it is. Is that a good opportunity for them to get products onto the marketplace in the UK that previously, you know, we may well have been told about or we've had information from colleagues in, in the EU that it is a potential issue. So I think it's a, you know, it's a couple of things coming together potentially that, that do cause concern. I think the danger is that increasingly because of having to target 
the resources that we've got as best we can. You know, most trading standard services are using information and intelligence and, and other data sources to try to identify what the kind of big issues are so that we can try to deal with them. And, you know, you take away what is potentially a kind of really good source of information. And also kind of cooperation with EU colleagues, member states. You know, so if you do have a, an, an issue with an import from an EU member state, whilst I'm not saying that, you know, there wouldn't be cooperation, you know, you, you do kind of think, well, are they going to feel as obligated as perhaps they are now to, to help deal with it? Or is it going to be a case of saying, well, actually, you know, you're a third country and we'll kind of deal with you as we would other third countries. So, you know, there is some liaison, but reality is that we will be the same as any other non-EU state, you know, and we won't have access to these things. And, you know, as I say, because we're trying to use information and intelligence as best we can, it just means that, you know, having to deal with it once it's onto the marketplace is far more difficult because... The, the spread of it, you know, it gets distributed to lots of different places. So suddenly you're dealing potentially with, you know, a lot of retail outlets. Whereas if you're dealing with a consignment at the distributor or, or the entry, port of entry, it's far more easy to deal with. Or if you've got really good intelligence about where the, where the product is. So, yeah, you know, it is, it is a concern. Well, that's it for now. Thanks to David Pickering for speaking to us and thank you for listening. This episode forms part of a series of podcasts and other materials designed to help trading standards professionals make sense of EU Exit. It complements the modules in the CTSI EU Exit training portal. Be sure to check out the rest of the podcasts, each of which is themed around a different area of trading standards. More resources are available from CTSI at www.tradingstandards.uk forward slash EU Exit. Don't forget to like and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you're listening to us. Until next time, goodbye.